Welcome to Unlapped. It's officially race week. We've got you covered on everything you need to know for the opening Grand Prix of the 2024 season. And remember, please keep an eye out on ESPN's YouTube channel for our post-race show directly following the Bahrain Grand Prix. As always, Katie George, Nate Saunders, Lawrence Edmondson, who are both on the ground in Bahrain. A couple of quick breaking news points that we want to hit before we get into our Bahrain race preview. Um, I'm sure people have seen on Twitter, on social media of any kind of form that the Christian Horner situation is finally resolved following a lengthy Red Bull specific probe into the allegations made against him by a female employee. Red Bull has said that it has found no evidence of inappropriate behavior. Laz, I'll start with you. What was it like as this kind of unfolded on the ground in Bahrain today? Well, it was a big waiting game. So um, we got wind that there was likely to be an announcement today. But we had heard, um, you know, over the last couple of weeks that perhaps it will be concluded before testing. Perhaps it will be concluded before the launch, we even thought, at one stage. Um, but, you know, that Red Bull stuck to it, that they were going to make sure that they investigated this in a fair, rigorous way. It was an independent barrister, independent lawyer who was looking into it and um, and ultimately providing a report to the Red Bull board to make a decision. And so it was really a question of, of when would that decision come out. And um, there were people who were uh, kind of tracking Christian Horner's movements towards Bahrain um, mm -hmm. and when he was on the flight and and what that meant. Did that mean that because he's coming now, you know, he's uh, he, he's going to be in a position where the investigation uh, dismisses the allegations against him? And uh, it was kind of running quite late. We'd had all the media sessions that we have on a normal media day at the Formula One circuit. So all the drivers had spoken and um, it had been a conversation or had been a subject topic in, in a number of the uh, in the press briefings and also within the paddock. It had been very much a conversation amongst people talking about um, what they knew when they thought we might hear something official. And then uh, eventually um, about 6.30, uh, we got the press release through from Red Bull, which was very straightforward. Um, I can read it out if if it helps. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, quote, uh, the independent investigation into the allegations made against Mr. Horner is complete and Red Bull can confirm that the grievance has been dismissed. The complainant has a right of appeal. Continuing the quote, Red Bull is confident that the investigation has been fair, rigorous and impartial. The investigation report is confidential and contains the private information of the parties and third parties who assisted in the investigation and therefore will not be commenting further or, uh, out of respect for all concerned. Continuing the quote, Red Bull will continue striving to meet the highest workplace standards. So while we, we got the, uh, the key bit of information we were looking at, which is whether this investigation found uh, Christian Horner these allegations against Christian Horner to be, um, you know, worthy of, of, of disciplinary action or something like that or not. Uh, in fact, they were dismissed. Um, we got very little further information on on the details of it. And, uh, of course, there's been a huge amount of speculation uh, in, in various different media outlets over the last few weeks. And, um, you know, I think that that does leave a few questions still about um, what happens next. Yeah, I think it's interesting that this was a Red Bull appointed investigation, certainly investigating one of their own employees, as you know, most institutions or organizations would do. This wasn't an FIA investigation. This wasn't a Formula One investigation. I'm just curious from your standpoint, Nate, what unanswered questions regarding this are still left out there? Yeah, I think it's quite a lot. And I think they speak to that 
that statement that Lawrence just read out and the fact that it is pretty vague, you know, in terms of it's just got the headline news in there. And we kind of expected that was going to be the case. There's a lot of confidentiality, you know, at play uh, here. And I think that that ultimately, I think for a lot of people, isn't going to be a satisfactory statement. You know, when something's gone on as long as it has and when there's been some of the reports that, you know, that Lawrence alluded to, I just don't think that Formula One is going to be able to kind of move on from this quickly. I think, you know, we've got a few of the team bosses talking um, tomorrow as we record this, which would be Thursday. Um, notably not Christian Horner, but, you know, I expect we'll talk to Horner at some point during the week. And I think that will be probably one of the buzzwords is transparency and, you know, how much do we know about what's happened here? How much do we know about the investigation? And if you're Formula One and if you're the FIA, especially as the FIA, you know, you've got a, you've probably got a duty of care to the sport. You've probably got a duty of trying to find out what has actually happened there. From Formula One's point of view, I, I don't think this has been a really great look for Formula One, just the length this has taken, some of the ways that this has dragged out in the public eye. So I think a lot of this stuff is going to really have an impact, you know, longer term. I think that there's going to be a lot of questions mm -hmm. asked. I think a lot of people are going to want to see, you know, a lot of really concrete stuff come out of this. And as Lawrence mentioned, you know, there is this process for an appeal here as well. So by no means is this, you know, a line drawn under, you know, underneath the, the matter for now. Um, and yeah, I think that that really... There are questions that need to be answered by both Red Bull, kind of by, you know, I suppose Red Bull senior company, Red Bull Racing really have been kind of following them uh, for the time being. But I think as well, Formula One, their reaction to to this is going to be scrutinized quite heavily because, you know, Formula One's talked a lot about, you know, improving the sport and improving, you know, certain things in terms of, you know, the makeup of the sport in terms of diversity and stuff like that. And regardless of what this complaint was about, it was, you know, a female employee about a, you know, a, a male boss which we've seen time and time again in the world. So that addressing that properly, I think is going to be the right thing. It's a tricky one from our point of view, because, you know, as Lawrence mentioned as well, you know, the, the, this was an independent um, investigation, you know, so I think that mm -hmm. it's always difficult to sort of say, Oh, has this, has this just been, you know, has this just been a, a one-way show as Horner just kind of ended up in power again, because Red Bulls are looking to protect him. There were real fears uh, within Red Bull, you know, within Red Bull racing, I think within kind of, Horner's mind last week that this was going to go a different way and you know the the mood around that kind of changed this week I think you know um I'm gonna say Jim or John Farley I, I forget which Farley it is at Ford because his the other one is the famous comedian Farley or is, was is his brother or his uncle but anyway I always I always Farley, name the wrong one correct yeah I always name the, the wrong one is currently the CEO um and it's been a long day so the name has slipped my mind but he put a lot of pressure on Red Bull this weekend, gone, you know, to to speed this process up, expedite this process up. And I think that a lot of people I saw questioning like, well, why is that, you know, why is it taken forward? I think it was kind of harsh on Formula One because Formula One had released similar statements saying that. Um, but yeah, I think there's just a lot of groups now that the pressure's kind of on them to to make sure that they they have an appropriate response. And I think that they don't just let this kind of disappear into the into the wind. You know, there is a chance that the season starts Everyone starts talking about the racing again. No one starts talking about Christian Horner. And I think a lot of people would feel quite kind of let down by that. Um, mm -hmm. So I think just generally for the for the good of the sport, if there's any chance it can happen, kind of releasing more of these details would satisfy a lot of people. I just don't know from what Lawrence and I have been, been hearing. Yeah, I just don't know what Red Bull um, are going to be able to release. Um, and ultimately, I just don't see how people are going to get clarity or you know get kind of closure over what's happened here. So obviously this is going to run and run, but yeah, I think that sadly a lot of the unanswered questions that you allude to, Casey, I don't know if they're all going to have a kind of an immediate 
immediate answer to them, which, you know, going into a season is just not a good look for Formula One, really. So uh, I think it'll be something we come back to at some point. You do. So you don't think that the book is closed here and that this matter is resolved and we're moving forward? Well, I think for Red Bull, definitely that that's the way they'll they'll look at it. But I just think as a wider story, I mean, this is one of the most important people in Formula One, sure. one of the most popular people, or, or at least one of the most notorious people, depending on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just think it has it's it's the sort of story that has gained a lot of attention over the past three weeks. And because of the way it's been reported and because of, you know, there's been a lot of very strong opinions on it, you know, uh, you know, both on kind of both ends of the spectrum, I think. So whenever you have a story like that, I think people want to want to make sure they know what they're talking about. And yeah. um, so from that point of view, <clears throat> I can see it coming up again. Um, and yeah, we'll see. I think kind of the next couple of days will, de- will determine how much that runs on though. Purely educational for our listeners and viewers. I just want to make the distinction. Yeah, Chris yeah, Farley that's... is the comedian and actor who was iconic and fat guy in a little coat if you know what i'm yeah. talking about jim farley is his cousin cousin and the ford executive that made the comments that i think kind of parlayed this into speeding up a little bit because he was obviously very frustrated for the lack of transparency as somebody who is a big time sponsor and partner of red bull educational yeah, and apologies to just apologies to get them both wrong in such an important point in the in the podcast but it just popped into my head i was like i'm gonna get it wrong so yeah that's I, and great I didn't levy. know Chris Farley as well. I knew I knew it wasn't Chris Farley, but I thought <laughs> if I say his name, it just it just kind of takes away from everything I'm I'm saying. So thank you for clarifying, Katie. It. Appreciate I it. love it. <laughs> We're obviously days away from the first Grand Prix of the 2024 season. So that in and of itself is incredibly exciting. There was um a lot of uh, drama, I would say, in the off season coming into the season, cut your all's vacations and rest and recovery time, I'm sure in short. But uh, now the testing is done. We've seen all the cars on track. We have a better understanding post-testing after we you know, touched base last week after the first day, Wednesday. Um, fascinating storylines, I think, coming into the season, Laz. Couple off the top, is Max going to win his fourth straight driver's championship? I think uh, the odds right now say that he is. You know, we look to Mercedes and Ferrari to see if they can actually challenge for a championship. Um, You know, obviously, Checo is a storyline that continues to be one worth monitoring. Is he going to be able to secure that second seat with Red Bull and Max Verstappen as his teammate? I think there's a lot to unpack with McLaren. Just as you look at it, what's one storyline you're really excited to see play out early on in this 2024 season? Well, what I'm hoping for is that the storyline is about how close the championship is <laughs> and uh, and how much pressure Max Verstappen may come under in the mm-hmm. defence of his four-part title. Sorry, in defence of his title to get his four-part title. Um, I suspect that's not going to be the case, but um, I think it will be interesting to to finally figure out how, how big the gap is between mm-hmm. Red Bull and probably Ferrari in second place was, um, I think, everyone's best guess coming out of testing. Um, and what we've got to remember as well is that, you know, this is a very specific track. We've seen three days of testing at one track yet to see these cars really unleashed. Um, and there were some positive signs from Ferrari, especially about how they were able to manage a race, how they were able to look after their tires in a way that they simply couldn't do last year and ultimately led to a lot of their inability to, to battle Red Bull. So I think that's exciting to see. And then, on top of that, this Ferrari-Mercedes battle, even if it does turn into another battle for second place, 
it has an extra edge this year because Lewis Hamilton is leaving one team, Mercedes, to go to the other, Ferrari. And um, everyone will have an opinion about whether that's a right move or a wrong move. I think Lewis has actually been quite open today. I mean, we didn't, you know, listen to it or get stuck into it in terms of stories as much as we normally would because we had, you know, all of the uh, news about Christian Horner breaking. But some of the stuff, you know, he said about, um, you know, Mercedes and Ferrari and that decision and how it's not necessarily down to the competitiveness of Mercedes. And I think also the way he's talked about his Mercedes at the start of this year, um, you know, I think he, he doesn't hate it. You know, the last two years, I think, <laughs> if he'd been honest at this time of year. It's progress. He, he kind of did hate it. Um, <laughs> but this year, I think, you know, there's a little bit more to play with there. So seeing how those two teams battle against each other and ultimately whether Lewis's decision, at least in the short term, uh, is the right one or the wrong one will be fascinating. Um, and then, of course, we have the Lewis move, which um, is very exciting for next year. But in the wake of that, there's this driver market where any number of drivers, I mean, I went and did some of the media sessions with the drivers today. It's a much better structured system they have now where you can almost go from team to team to team. And you start um, with like it's almost like reverse championship order so you start at Haas and then it's Sauber and then it's RB okay. and then you move your way up and uh, it was interesting you know because a number of the drivers were asked about you know next year and a lot of them are already kind of a little bit more bullish about you know what, what they're standing within the driver market and stuff like that whereas I would have thought usually at this time of year most of them would be like oh no it's too early to start talking about like that you know let's come back to me in August and all that kind of stuff. But genuinely that's, um, you know, I think there's a few people trying to stake their claim to some of the available seats. So, oh, I mean, I could go on, like we've got a whole podcast here, right. To talk about it, but there are so many interesting underlying storylines going on this year. Well, to your point, the driver market, only seven drivers have contracts for the 2025 season, both Red Bull and Mercedes will need a number two driver or a teammate, if we don't want to call it a number two driver for Max and George, respectfully. Um, so I think that is a fascinating kind of bigger picture, overarching theme that we'll stick with throughout the entirety of the 2024 season. Nate, where do you fall? What what storyline most piques your interest early on here? Well, I think for that, I'm going to go to the other end of the championship because the story that we're seeing kind of develop, and it's it's going to be fascinating to see exactly how bad it is, but is Alpine. You know, Alpine haven't been... In, we, you know, we talked about this in the testing show and how Alpine never looked good at testing. But this year, especially, the sounds coming out of Alpine, the sounds around Alpine are really, really negative. And the drivers today didn't exactly come out and say, hey, like they said, you know, you guys are being way too negative. We don't think we're going to be last. But if you look at that pack around Alpine, you know, you've got a lot of teams that have been making progress in some tangible form. You know, Aston did, McLaren did last year, Ferrari, Mercedes are constantly kind of trying to fight their way back up to Red Bull. And you've got the specter of kind of RB or VCARB. You know, I know we had the whole discussion last week, um, but they look like they're going to be really kind of competitive in that kind of behind that group. But I think they're going to have made a step. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Alpine to make sure that, I mean, at this point for Alpine, I think a successful season based on where they are in terms of where the narratives around them, is kind of just consolidating where they were last year, which is kind of mad because you think about all the investment that team had and the story around that, team last year there was a lot of positive energy coming out of it on one end and then on the other end it it was again just a team kind of falling apart with you know Otmar leaving and all that stuff so really curious to see about Alpine and yeah and, and you and Lawrence both mentioned it I think the driver market this year especially when we're in a season when all 20 drivers remarkably kept their seats I feel like it's bubbling up towards something quite special and I mean those two you know 
the Alpine drivers as well. I mean, Ocon, I think, is one of the guys who uh, is in a contract season. So, you know, where he drives next year is still uncertain. Um, and actually, I think Ocon's a really fascinating character in that. I know a lot of people talk about Albon and science, but Ocon, you know, I mean, we, I've always felt like Ocon, he deserves at least one season where he gets a really competitive car just to see, you know, he was always kind of tipped to have that and, and to be that guy. But there's loads of guys there. And, you know, and we've seen this in previous years, you know, thinking back sort of pre-COVID especially, when you had years like this, all it takes is one piece of the jigsaw puzzle to kind of fall into place. And then it's almost like Jenga after that, like everything just falls down and, you know, people are scrambling to move here and there. So I think that whoever kind of is the first to blink and 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 again, on top of this, there's this fascinating storyline around the Mercedes at the moment because of Kimi Antonelli in Formula 2. So I don't think Mercedes are going to rush into that decision, but you wonder how many other pieces around that may oh. fall into place. But I think that Mercedes really in that situation still kind of can call the shots because I think most drivers on the grid, if they have you know, the chance to drive somewhere else next year, that Mercedes has surely got to be high on there. You know, you've got Red Bull and Mercedes like you mentioned. So... Yeah, I, I and I can't call it either. You know, every time you think about it, another driver pops into your head. You think, oh yeah, you know, Albon or, or Ocon or you know whoever it is. So it it really is going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. And obviously, if Kimi Antonelli has an amazing year in Formula Two, then we have you know an exciting new kind of wonder kid rookie to talk about, which you know is always a fun storyline, especially when they go to the big team. You know, Lewis did it in two thousand seven, um, and that was that was just amazing when he did that. We've not had a you're a hotshot rookie kind of go to a, a team that's maybe not championship caliber, but can maybe Where's challenge for wins. So I think that would be mega. Um, this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. So yeah, so that was I I gave kind of two there. What about you, Katie? Have you got any that stand out for yourself? It's interesting. I guess I, I have recency bias or just I, I forget since it was a year ago at this time, but I just forgot how poorly McLaren's season started. And then I was reminded I'm slowly working my way through the drive to survive season. Have you guys finished it? Or are you still working? Not yet. Life? Not yet. Not Should yet. have. Had a, have had plenty of time to watch it, but just haven't. Uh, haven't yeah, I'm it. I'm like two or three episodes in, and the second episode it, it revolves around McLaren and, and their really poor start to the 2023 season. 
to the point that Lando Norris is is visibly frustrated. You can see that I think that the relationship between he and CEO Zach Brown was becoming splintered. Zach Brown was on the chopping block. I think, I mean, not performing the way that they want. They have one of the best driver lineups, in my opinion, with two very, very young future world champions uh, in the cars, and they're just not delivering. To think back to that turn of events to be able to turn your season around in six months, I think is pretty unheard of. And I thought Claire Williams, who joins Drive to Survive as kind of a pundit, as a narrator, I thought she did a really nice job. It was interesting getting to hear her feedback as a former team principal. And, you know, she obviously can speak to it better than anybody having been in that chair. But I just, I'm really curious to see if McLaren can capitalize on the momentum that we saw in the back half of the season, right where they left off, or do they falter a little bit and it takes them, you know, to Miami or midseason to kind of find their stride again. I'm really, really curious to see where they're at because I thought that was one of the funnest storylines of the 2023 season. It's interesting you say that because uh, Lando Norris was talking about that exact thing today in the press conference. Um, again, referencing that poor start last year and just how far off they were. I mean, we talk about Alpine being in a bad position this year. Well, actually, McLaren weren't you know, far off a, a similar situation last year and they were able to turn it around. And interesting as well, Esteban Ocon referenced McLaren as an example of how you can bring it back. I think the big difference there is that McLaren had some big upgrades coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but to go back to this year and what Norris is expected from this year, He's not sure it's going to be the best start to the season. But the other thing he said is that this is a circuit in Bahrain that really doesn't suit the McLaren. So, you know, I think that's why they've always had these struggles at testing. You know, they've always looked perhaps a little bit worse than they even are right at the very start of the year because they're going into a track that just doesn't seem to suit their car. Um, you know, they've the two weaknesses which they were still battling with even after that big upgrade midway through last year was low speed corners of which there were a few crucial ones around Bahrain and then also um, minimizing drag on the car. And while I think, you know, McLaren have quite clearly targeted those two areas, no one else stands still. And, um, you know, I think there'll be a case of being interesting where uh, McLaren pan out in, in all that. I still think there's a possibility, especially with Lando and Oscar in the car that we see them, you know, comfortably in you know maybe even like top six territory okay. this weekend but the way Lando was talking about it you know I think he was kind of almost bracing everyone for like you know if we're if we're kind of struggling to make Q3 or we're at the back end of Q3 don't rule us out just yet because one look at what we did last year and two also this is a bit of a bogey circuit for them so um yeah fascinating team to watch and then conversely on the other side to all that almost with a reverse season of McLaren was Aston Martin and you know this time last year we were we were here saying can Fernando Alonso win a race (laughs) can he go back and win his first race since 2013 and um and I think they've had like a a much quiet well they've definitely had a much quieter testing in terms of the hype around them going into this season but I do get the feeling that that car is actually quite well developed if you look at it like it's got a lot of like really interesting and kind of like detail that usually you might see later in the season in terms of of what they've done with it and I think it's also a car that's caught the eye of some of their rivals including Red Bull so yeah potentially that's um that's an interesting battle that's going to play out because both of those teams you feel like could be in striking distance of Ferrari Mm -hmm. and Mercedes this weekend Uh, certainly Mercedes they're a bit of an unknown factor so but equally they could be scrabbling to get into Q3 and the real shame here is that this kind of not knowing where people are going to be we're so close to having that with the whole field it's just Red Bull and 
Max Verstappen and Adrian Newey are just a bit too good. Don't <laughs> say so. that. You mentioned the weekend. <laughs> it's time for us to get to our first Grand Prix preview of the season. Testing has come and gone. Many people, I would say, believe that Red Bull is set to dominate another season in F1, as we have aforementioned. But some are not convinced the gap is as big as maybe we believe at this point, which I am all here for. I guess, Laz, I'd post to you, some teams believe Red Bull, they were running higher fuel loads in testing so that their true pace still wasn't really revealed. How much truth is there to that? And could this gap actually be bigger than we believe? Yeah, it, it could be. It could be. But the reason people were saying that is because basically the speed at which they were able to get down to very fast lap times on the first day. And then there was this belief, like, well, if they can do that immediately, they must have been hiding something further on. But talking to uh, Checo Perez today, um, you know, he actually didn't have a great second day in the car. And, you know, he said even then he went straight into a race simulation. There were a bunch of things that weren't right on the car and they hadn't quite sorted so this belief that they were absolutely 100% certain of where they were on the first day I'm not entirely sure if that's correct now part of that may be Perez and Max because um you know last year and you know as much as I'd like to see Perez do well this year last year the difference between Perez and Max Verstappen could be at some circuits you know half a second it could be the difference between Q2 and pole position which is pretty mm -hmm. wild um, I'm I'm hoping, and from what Checo's been saying, that he's going to have a better start. Well, he actually had quite a good start to the year last year, but he's going to be in a better position at the start of this year than he was at the end of last year. But um, yeah, there's a, there's this kind of belief that perhaps Red Bull holding something back. Now, I don't think that many teams actually truly intend to hold things back uh, during testing. It's just that to get the information they need and the validation of certain things they need to do, a lot of the time it makes sense to run with more fuel in the car, um, especially when you're looking at um, how the tyres are going to perform over a race. Now, I know Nate will roll his eyes and start yawning at the mention of tyres, and arguably rightly so, because it's hardly the most thrilling subject in F1. But it is crucially important, and it's crucially important to scoring points on a Sunday, because if you're not looking after your tyres, you're quickly going to move backwards in the race. Ferrari found that last year. Haas was an awful example of that last year in terms of yeah. qualifying well, moving backwards. So a lot of that running later on, while, yes, you know, they probably were on quite a lot of fuel. Um, I'm not sure it was that they were, they didn't want the rest of the field to know. I think part of it is just that they were discovering stuff on their car and running tests on their car. And equally, you know, I don't think we saw the best of the, the Mercedes. We didn't see the best of the Ferrari. You know, we didn't see the best of any sure. car. We never do in testing. But, you know, even those guys, they could have been hiding or just simply doing uh, runs on higher fuel because that's what they needed to learn in those very precious three test days. Remember, just three test days to get through everything and be comfortable going into a season. Let the record reflect. No eye roll and no yawn from Nate Saunders. I was holding both in. I was doing my best. I was like, come on. Come on. Keep it together. Keep it together for Laz. Laz mentioned <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Merck and Ferrari. The two obviously battled this last season for P2 for the Constructors' Championship. Mercedes ended up finishing P2 despite not winning a race the entire season. Betting on the W15 with Mercedes or the SF24 for Ferrari to bring the fight to... Max, Checo, and Red Bull. I think my money would be with Ferrari right now. Um, you know, the the consensus was it was the better of the two cars and definitely the closest. And it is, it's I think it's I think it's close because you know the positivity coming out of both those teams is clear. I think they both know they're a step behind Red Bull right now. 
But I don't know. I think over the course of a season, I think those two teams are probably best matched to to take that fight to them. You know, I think we'll see McLaren come on strong again as the year goes on. But over the course of a season, um, yeah, it, 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 it's 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 funny with Ferrari because I think we're so used to kind of there being a, a slightly negative tinge to everything Ferrari. But actually, at the moment, you know, if you take away the fact they don't think they can win the championship, everything we're hearing is pretty good. Obviously, the Lewis news, I think, was a bit of a boost away from the track. But, you know, Fred's leadership, Fred Vasseur's leadership, I think, has really mm. injected something into that team. Um, and everything just seems to be going in the right direction. If you think about where they were mid to late 22 and what we were saying about them, what the fans were saying about them, it's really come on leaps and bounds. So I would I would put it on Ferrari. But I think that's going to be a super close battle all year. I, I can really see those two teams kind of exchanging positions in the competitive order for a lot of the season because I think while Ferrari has the edge now, I think, you know, you just never bet against that Mercedes team to kind of make steps through mm -hmm. the season. So, yeah, it's good. I think that's going to... and. You know, if only it was closer to Red Bull, you know, it would be a great three-way fight. It's a great two-way fight, but I feel like it's not quite justifying itself because it needs to be that, you know, it needs to be right up there at the front. So that might be a little step away, but yeah, I think that's going to be awesome all year. I think your point about Fred Fisser is a good one. He just seems to have such um, a calm, kind of stable confidence mm -hmm. about him, the way he carries himself. And I have to imagine that has a trickle-down effect with everybody working under him for your drivers. I don't know. I just, he feels like he's got a really stable demeanor about him. Not that Mattia Bonotto and past team principals don't, but I just, I like the confidence that he carries himself of like, we're going to get this done at some point. When you look back Laz to last year's testing for Ferrari, kind of a horror show night and day difference. Would you say last year to this season? Yeah, it is. And it again, just goes down to the problems they were having just, chewing through tires um throughout testing and then into the first race and then of course remember they had all those reliability issues at the start mm -hmm. of the year and Leclerc was taking an engine penalty at the second race and um while that I can't rule that out at this stage obviously we haven't had a competitive session where they've used the uh the engines and the power units that they're going to use for the whole season it doesn't feel like they're scrabbling around in the same way and um I think you're right you know Fred has had a, a very kind of calming influence almost on the whole team and it feels much more like what it should have been a long time ago which is a long-term project you know so often I think Ferrari the expectation and the you know that what well, the support support is so great that the expectation is so high and then there's this belief that they should just go and they should be winning championships immediately and that's so difficult to do in F1 you need time you need the ability to build a team you need the ability to um you know to put things in place and what better way to build a team and to kind of, you know, anchor yourself to a long-term project than getting Lewis Hamilton in as, you know, your key driver going forward. And then we've heard a lot of stories about engineers, you know, uh, moving towards uh, Ferrari. And there's a few which are rumoured. There's a few which, um, you know, are, are on their way. And by building that kind of group of engineers and making Ferrari an attractive place to be, you know, and Lewis, I think, is going to be a huge draw for going forward with that. It's just another Ferrari that we're seeing going into this year. There's just that extra level of confidence, as you mentioned. Fred kind of, you know, holding his head that little bit higher, chest puffed out that little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing with Fred is that I think a lot of us, uh, and myself included, probably underestimated him to start with okay. because, you know, it comes from Alfa Romeo, Sauber, and, you know, you looked at his track record there and you're like, well, it's good enough. You know, I mean, they were they were okay, you know, at times, but they, you know, it's not like they were making huge leaps up the grid, but I think given the, uh, yeah, 
given the position he's got now, he's really been able to show, you know, the true Fred Vasseur, what he's capable of. And I think, you know, in, in him, they have a very, very strong team boss uh, to lead them into this new era with Lewis Hamilton, eventually a new set of regulations in 2026. So incredibly exciting time for Ferrari. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Outside of maybe the the top teams or top drivers that we anticipate or expect to podium in Bahrain, Nate, any other driver or team you've got your eye on in this first Grand Prix? Yeah, I mentioned them earlier, but I think I think everyone's kind of curious about VCarb and where they're going to be, um, just because they had a you know an impressive test. They've obviously had all the Visa Cash App money come in, mm-hmm. and yeah, they're just they're just doing different stuff there. So I'm not sure whether you know I, I don't think they'll get podiums this weekend necessarily, but um, well, I say necessarily. I don't think I don't think they'll get a podium. Just to clarify that, but I think over the course of the year, it'll be really interesting to see what their trajectory is and kind of where they are twelve months from now, going into next season. You know, will obviously be defined a lot by by where they are here. So I think I'm looking at them. Just to quickly double back on the Ferrari point, it's amazing, isn't it? Ferrari's last period of dominance was with a French team boss in Jean Tant. You've you know they've they've cycled through a few others since. They've gone back to France you know, for, for, for the future. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, I just thought I'd just jump on the Fred bandwagon because I also was, was like Lawrence and like a lot of people in Formula One, I didn't, I didn't think it was a great hire. I thought it was a bit underwhelming. Um, it was interesting. Yeah. And, and actually he's proven a lot of people wrong, you know? And, um, I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, long may that continue because obviously if, if he keeps proving people wrong, it means Ferrari getting better. Right. So, and we will love to see that. And I know this is future talk, but my mind immediately goes, obviously, Toto Wolff and Fred Vasseur have a, a great working relationship. They seem to, at least as it's depicted in, in Drive to Survive, this season that just came out last week, you wonder what that working relationship will be like for Fred Vasseur and Lewis Hamilton in a year's time when Lewis has been, you know, so work, working so closely with Toto Wolff for, for, for many, many years. So I just, 
I would love to see that dynamic play out and I'm going to get to in a year's time, but I've got to focus on the 2024 season. So that leads me to our first podium predictions of the 2024 season. And we're going to button our shit up people. Okay. Because last year I felt like I was a little all over the place with tabulating our results, keeping the points in order and updating everybody week after week. So Zach, you're going to keep me honest. Zach, our lovely producer, you're going to keep me honest. We're going to have a shared Excel sheet. So everybody knows where they stand. And if you're traveling, and you can't be on the pod. You have to get your predictions in before you travel. Okay. 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 Everybody swear so, yeah, with the rules. Fair. Also I just, the rules. I, I should probably, I should meant that, mention that. I want to yes. point out that this fell apart last year, just around the time I think I took the lead. So, you know, I, no, I'm not, I'm not into conspiracy theories, you know, call me, you know, maybe I'm the Danica Patrick of the pod all of a sudden, but like, I, I, I definitely noticed that last season. That's all I'm saying. That was clever. <laughs> that was clever. I love that. Okay. Look, uh, rules go as like this. Um, you get one point for correct prediction. It has to be in the right. You can't just get somebody in the top three. You have to actually place them in their podium position. Okay. And then you get three points, three additional points. If you get the Holy Trinity, you nail all three in their rightful positions. Fair? Nice. Yeah, that's fair. That sounds good. Okay. Lazen, there's a you big incentive do... there because that is that is tricky to do that, all three. It is. Well, actually, no, it Nate, really since, happened. Nate, since you said that you were leading last year when it all fell <laughs> apart, you can start. I, damn, I didn't think about that through. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to put Max first, you know. Um, and then... I've put Charlotte Claire second. And just purely for the for the storyline vibes, let's put Lewis Hamilton in third. So he and Leclerc are on the podium together. Um straight up. Um but yeah, I think it doesn't sound like I'm a big Perez fan, does it? Because he was second here last year and he's had an off season to recover. So apologies to Sergio Perez. I'm just going more for that Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton on the podium together thing. But at the at the detriment of my own points, right? So, you know, he always does this. Yeah, I know, I know. Sorry, he argues <laughs> against his picks. I do, but hey, I mean, there's methods of the madness, apparently. <laughs> I love it. I dig it. Okay, Laz, what say you? Uh, my gut feeling, I'm not saying this was exactly Nate's pick, but I'm going to pick something different because we can't have the same. You know, that that would be that wouldn't be right. So I'm going to go with Max first. Surprise, surprise. Checo second, believe in Checo. Fundamentally, I believe in the quality of that RB20 and how quick it is versus the rest of the field. <laughs> and then Lewis Hamilton third. Okay, very similar. Just an exchange of Checo and Charles Leclerc. I dig it. Okay, I'm going to go with Max Verstappen to win. I'm going to go... With Carlos Sainz finishing P2 because I think he's got a lot to prove and wants to do this when he steps out of the car in Bahrain. <laughs> Which I'd love to see as well. I would. I That's really would. And then I'm going to go with Checo Perez rounding it out P3 behind Carlos Sainz. Nice. So I actually, Katie, I think that's a really smart pick because Carlos Sainz, I think when he has a point to prove, Mm-hmm. he's always driven like that he's always he's he's a real kind of bit between bit between the teeth kind of driver yeah and, chip on quietly... chip on the shoulder i think is gonna serve him well maybe this that's yeah. what i'm hoping at least yeah quietly it's just kind of been smoldering away inside him so i think that's a good pick 
Yeah, and a clerk has rotten luck around here. I don't know what it mm. is. I mean, I don't really believe in luck in Formula One, but he does have predictably bad luck. So, yeah, I didn't believe in luck in Formula One until Charles Leclerc. I was going to say, <laughs> and now, if you didn't believe in luck, uh, he's yeah, the true he's, sample he's made size. me believe. He's made me yeah. believe in luck. <laughs> Well, here's to good fortune for Charles Leclerc this season, uh, because we'd all love to see it. As always, thank you both for your time, your analysis. Get some rest. Enjoy race weekend. We can't wait to hear all about it. And we can't wait to see all of you on Saturday. Remember, the race is on Saturday, not a Sunday. And we will have our live um, ESPN on YouTube and Facebook pages with instant reactions to the Bahrain Grand Prix with our live show. So be sure to check that out. And we will see you next week on Unlap to wrap up Bahrain and preview the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix as well. Cheers, guys.